I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We are taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Our next listener, Tan, is asking if anyone is selling blooming pansies yet. I haven't seen any in the big box stores. I've seen roses like bare root roses, but no pansies. I might stop by a bigger garden center. I don't know what area they're in up in Davis and Weber, J and J or Valley down in Utah County cooks maybe, or mm-hmm. Linden nursery or thrive. If they have greenhouses, they oftentimes may have pansies left over from the fall that they're just overwintering in an unheated house and they could grab a couple of flats or they may have newly seeded trays that aren't quite ready. But if you could keep them, going for another month or so, then, you know, raise them yourself, that would be a possibility. Yeah, you're going to have to go to a garden center, a nursery, though, if you you want to find those right now. And one that has fairly extensive greenhouses. Our next listener wants to know when and how to gather grafting wood from their grandfather's apple tree. So now is the time, any time from January through February, And you're going to go into the apple tree and get the water sprouts. And those are the branches that go straight up in the air. Mm -hmm. And they'll be anywhere from three to sometimes up to six uh, feet long. And you're wanting to get those water sprouts, the point on them where the wood is about as thick as a pencil. Maybe a bit thicker, a bit thinner, but at least as thick as a pencil. Mm -hmm. And you're going to cut them to about pencil length. And when you get, depending on how many you want, you you can get a bundle of 10 or 12 and then just put a rubber band or some zip ties around them and then wrap those in paper towels. And so what you'll do is wet the paper towels and then wring them out and get two or three or four of them, roll them up. And then you're going to put those in a gallon Ziploc and then just put them in your fridge. And this is for storage because okay. it's too early to graft. I'm not crazy saying you cut up your tree and put the branches in the fridge. And this that's what you're actually doing. And so these the wood you cut up is called scion wood. And you're going to store that until sometime in mid to late April. And you can... Mike Pace is offering a few grafting classes this year. There will be one at Thanksgiving Point, maybe check Conservation Garden Park's website. But you can order sometimes your own grafting wood, 
and or grafting your rootstocks, and you're going to need a one-year-old rootstock, and then a graft. You can use a knife, but you can also buy what's called a grafting tool. And it looks like a pair of hand shears or hand clippers, but it has a special shape cut into it. And it's the Omega grafter so that the two, the rootstock and the cyan wood just slip together like puzzle pieces. And then you would wrap that in, um, you can use electrical tape or um, you can get some special wax grafting tape. There's a number of things and you'd leave that wrapped for the season and then it can come off at the end of the season. And, but you need to, you'll have 70 or 80% success. So just depending on the number you want to do. So I, but I would look up, um, USU extension and maybe call the box elder County office to see where they're doing the grafting classes and register because you could just bring your cyan wood with you and look at conservation garden parks website and see if they're doing anything. All right. Nick is on the line in Cedar Hills. Good morning, Nick. What is your question? Good morning. I've got a section of garden where I've been growing potatoes for the last few years, but I've got a lot of signs of of some kind of wilt disease, I suspect. Uh, The plants are dying back very quickly. So I've decided I really need to grow something, uh, something else completely. I'm trying to find some alternative vegetable crops, though. I've it looks like some legumes would probably be good options, but I'm wondering, I'm finding some conflicting information on the internet for things like squashes, cucumbers, melons, if, or, or even corn, if those would be viable alternative crops. I think they would. Sometimes the squash plants, the cucurbits, are susceptible to a lot of the same fungal diseases that the potatoes are. And so... If you had a verticillium disease in there, it could get into the squash. But it's one of those things where you need to rotate every year and rotate your plant families. And so corn and legumes, beans, peas, uh, those would be good options. You might be able to try some root crops in there like beets or carrots. Uh, Just anything that's not in the tomato, potato, eggplant, pepper family. Okay. I'll give those a try and see what we can come up with this year. Okay. Nick, thanks for your call. Uh, Nick's listener, Ton, says they forgot to put their daffodil and tulip bulbs back out in the fall. They've been nice and cool in a dry basement. Can they still put them in and can they plant them under the snow? Well, they can try. The problem you run into when you plant past mid-November is that those bulbs actually like to root out a little bit in the fall. And you'll see diminished success if you try to plant them now, because not only do they require the cold period, which is quickly coming to an end because a lot of the bulbs are actually starting to pop out of the ground. I've seen Mm -hmm. crocus coming up. And so the one thing they might be able to do is put those bulbs in the fridge and just lay them on wet paper towels like we were talking about, wrung out wet paper towels, and let them sit for eight weeks maybe 12, depending on them, what they are, and then plant them in pots. And when they start to see them root out, um, they, that's when you would go ahead and plant them up. All right. Uh, one of our listeners wants to chime in that they did find pansies almost ready at quality on 33rd South in Salt Lake. Good enough. And it's one of the ones that I yes. said, yeah, that might be the one. Uh, back to the phone lines. Kevin is in Draper. Good morning, Kevin. What is your question? Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. So I have uh, a Lombardi poplar that I'm guesstimating it's got to be 60 feet tall. 
And with the winds that we've been having, I'm just so concerned about having something snap off and landing on uh, the house or the garage or whatever. And so my question is, does it make sense to have it topped and maybe do away with, I don't know, maybe a third or a half of it? Or if, by doing that, is that something that's going to destroy the tree? Or does that make any sense at all? Yeah, Lombardi poplars are susceptible to a number of insects, pests, and diseases that they can be eliminated. My, I had some neighbors growing up that had a line of Lombardi poplars, and four of them fell on my dad's fence, and they fixed the fence four times. And yeah. so there is that possibility. And so if you did go in and then just say, you know, it's 60 feet tall and I'm cutting it back to 40, you could do that, but you would need to do that every four or five years. Wow. Okay. Because it okay. will grow back. It wants to be 60 feet tall <laughs> and it will grow back quickly, you know, at a rate of five or six feet a year at least. And where you have cut it, those branch, the new branch angles that come off where you've pruned is they're going to be weak and they're going to be more likely to break. And so once you do it, you're committed. Gotcha. Okay. That's very helpful. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Kevin, for your call. We're going to take a break. Come back with final segment of the KSL Greenhouse Show. The show goes by so quickly. Number to call with your questions. Phone lines are open 801-575-8255. You can text us 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you taking your calls and questions. 801-575-8255. Text 57500. Uh, it's that time of year where actually something you can do right now is prune fruit trees. It is. Apples and pears need to be pruned. We talked a little bit about this last week. But the reason you're pruning apples and pears in mid-February is, one, they're more adapted to tolerating pruning at colder temperatures. So there's that aspect. But we're also trying to prevent a spread of a, a sometimes fatal disease called fire blight. And fire blight is a bacterial disease that in mid to late March starts to become active. And wherever you have fire blight wounds or cankers on a tree, those will start to leak uh, kind of a sappy substance Ooh. that's full of 
sugar, carbohydrates, but also full of spores. And so insects will come in and start to feed on that because it's a nutrient source. And then as they fly off to pollinate other flowers, they may introduce fire blight into the blossoms that then gets into the tree. That also can be spread by rain and uh sprinklers and things. There's lots of different ways, but the fire blight's still dormant. And so if you learn to recognize the cankers, you can cut those out. And as long as you're sterilizing the pruners between each cut, it's actually a really good time to prune on those fruit trees. All right. Rick is in holiday this morning. Good morning, Rick. What is your question? Well, I wanted to know when is a good time to plant tomato seeds to get them ready, uh, you know, before the first frost. Usually, and also, in general, other plants as well, you know, if you're planting radishes, I know you can get them in early, but what other vegetable crops can you plant and what do you, should you plant them? Well, the USU has a free planting guide for garden crops and when to plant them. And so if you just do an Internet search of Utah's USU Extension and vegetable planting guide it'll bring up all those dates for you on cool and warm season crops and so the mid-march stuff could include things like your coal crops you know some of the coal crops go in as early as mid-march like the broccolis and cauliflowers and cabbages lettuce radishes all those can go in and you're going to need to watch the weather because if we're in the 30s and low 40s it's still a bit early And so it's just a lot of that is dictated by the weather. But when you plant your tomato seed is the first week of April for planting in mid-May. Okay, very well. Thank you. All right, Rick. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Next listener, Tom, says they've been trying to find two different trees, and I hope I pronounce these correct, over the past few years, unable to find them here. One's a Chitalpa, and the other is a male Catalpa, and they want to know where they should source those uh, because they can't find them in Utah. I've never seen male Catalpa available in industry. It's just been, if you can find them, straight Catalpa. And then Chitalpa is a hybrid between a species called desert willow, and it's not really a willow, Mm -hmm. and Catalpa tree, and it blooms kind of throughout the season with little, the flowers look kind of like maybe a wisteria. Okay. And it's barely cold hardy, but it does grow here. And so Chitalpa, I've ordered online before, and they've been fine. And occasionally you will see them at garden centers that specialize in native plants. Who would that be? Oh, boy. I'm trying to think of a few. I think I've seen them up at Alpine Gardens in Willard. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever going north, Alpine Gardens is right next to Maddox Steakhouse. Go get a steak and then go to the nursery. (laughs) I've seen them at uh, some like Western Gardens once in a while. They're a little hit and miss, but if you can't find them locally, the bare root ones that you order are really easy to get established in a pot. And so you might even be able to order them in a little four inch pot and just plant them right away, you know, as soon as our danger of frost is gone. Uh, Did you want to mention someplace they could order them from? Not necessarily. I would need to get online and look. You don't know for sure. I don't. I just, I know that I ordered a few of them five or six years ago just from someplace. I don't know if it was Burnt Ridge, but I just found a source and ordered them. And I, my brother had one up in Farmington when he still lived there. And 
it would get killed to the ground every few years, but it came right back and it would bloom a lot of the summer. Okay, next listener wants to talk about container gardening. And before we delve into this, I want them to know that we did do last spring a video for the Greenhouse Show on container gardening that they're going to want to go look at that will give them more ideas than we're going to be able to give them in the next uh, one and a half minutes. Um, So you can go to the KSL Greenhouse page on YouTube or the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. You'll find it under videos, under container gardening. But they're asking, they say their garden needs to be all in containers. And could you give an example of what they could do to succession plant and have spring, summer, and fall garden? So they need to hit up Matt Ginch, um, Containicus, on Facebook. And that has a lot of information. And his book called Gardening in 3D on Amazon. And he's the one that we did the video. Yes, and he's very good at that succession planting. And that's where I'd get the resources. I think his book is $10 or $15 on Amazon, but it's um, Gardening in 3D and then the Facebook page Containicus. But the process is basically just starting with really early season crops, and you can use a cover over you know, to make things warmer and you're starting with radishes and lettuces and things. And as soon as those are done, they're coming out and then you're going into stuff that's more warm season. And so you might put beans in with something and I, there's, I wish there was more time, but a crop like beans is usually done in mid to late August. So you can pull those out and then go back in with radishes and maybe peas and things, but get the book gardening in 3d and That'll tell you everything you need to know, and the, all the stuff is pretty low cost that you can pick up from a lot of different sources. And again, you can learn more from that uh, the video that we did as well. Thank you so much for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Uh, if you're just tuning in, remember that you can also catch us on podcast, and have a great weekend. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.